Oh, you can't be that proud because we weren't recorded. <laughs> You see what I mean? It's fucking hard though. Uh, me being like, this is such a waste of everyone's time. If anything, it just like kind of created a bunch of self-doubt because I'm like, if no one else like sees it the way that I see it, then I'm probably wrong, you know? Yeah. Well, I remember vividly one time on the podcast she where I'm building this podcast set in Ray's living room. Or like she said, hey. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up? That was our first meet, but it wouldn't be until like a year after that, that we would like first start working together. And I just think back, I'm like, damn, now I'm like a full-time employee for Ray. And like, it's like, we have a really good like relationship. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, funny how things play out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Glad I Asked, where I have the pleasure of exploring the minds of other curious creatives. And we talk about many things, including how they're creating a life they're excited to be living. I'm Sydney Goodman, and our guest today is Marsh. He's behind some of the most watched content on the internet, the channel manager, photographer, and producer behind Valkyrie's videos, and co-owner of Fear And with Hassan and Will Neff. We cover a bunch of, unfortunately, super relatable topics like imposter syndrome, self-doubt, knowing when to break the rules, and how Marsh moved from production assistant to helping Valkyrie run her content empire and being the co-owner of a podcast with nearly 20,000 patrons on Patreon and weekly episodes that average over 300,000 views an episode. Enjoy this conversation with Marsh. Oh, <laughs> you can't be that proud because we weren't recording. <laughs> See, you me- see what I mean? <laughs> you see what I mean? It's fucking hard though. You're giving me a call. Okay, it's okay, okay but- so for people who I don't know what we're doing with that footage, but um basically Marsh was giving me a compliment yeah. on my production <laughs> and, I- and we realized we weren't recording. <laughs> it's great though. I mean, like, but no, seriously, I I there's so many points of failure and usually mm-hmm. like entire teams dedicated to these kinds of productions. Um so the thinner the crew, like the more skeleton crew, the more I'm like, just I appreciate like what goes into it because like for the podcast that I produce, I'm definitely basically a one man show on the production side yeah. of things. Like, um, and it's just a lot. You know? When you guys always have four like talking heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. It's rotating. Sometimes <laughs> we have we like I have to fly in extra mics and, you know, it's, and yeah. have like five or six. Um, but to your point, you were making a point about um how you can like lose yourself in making sure that things are like way too buttoned up and it like cripples you creatively. Yeah. That's something that I, I'm on the other side of that coin where I don't have any sort of like traditional training or like I didn't go to like school for production or anything. I'm like self-taught entirely. And you were saying like, it's without context now because we like came into it. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah, here's some context. <laughs> Basically we were talking about before I forgot to pre- before we started record <laughs> yeah. on the audio, Um, We were talking about how I come from a background of, well, I didn't go to school for this either, but I worked for like big media companies that definitely onboarded you to a certain extent. Yeah. They definitely, I don't know if onboard, onboard is a little generous, um, but they definitely had certain expectations for how buttoned up things were. And I find that it's really easy kind of crutch to almost be convince yourself you're being productive. Yeah. Because I guess you kind of are, but it's like ultimately on something that the internet doesn't really care. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah, um, not at all. Like it just needs to be like watchable and your mics can't be like producing a ton of feedback to where it's unlistenable. But yeah. as long as there's like audio pumping. Yeah, I like, so I, that's something I realized very quickly. So mm-hmm. I guess like my first kind of introduction to like the production world, like yeah. more 
um, traditional production was my time at 100 Thieves. I joined as a PA very early on. And so I was working under a lot of like production people on the 100 Thieves content team that did have like traditional media background in like some capacity. And I saw a lot of that, what you were describing. And it would drive me fucking crazy. Like I'd like, like we would have like a shoot from like, just an example would be like a shoot that's supposed to be from like 9 a.m. to like 1 p.m. And we'd run behind like 30 minutes to an hour. And I'd see that the reason why we were falling behind is because we'd spend an extra 15 minutes here, like trying to hide that wire or like an extra like 10 minutes here, like making the most like tiny marginal change in like lighting or like the framing or like whatever it is. And I'm just like, it's okay to care, but like to the point where, yeah, it starts to cripple you creatively or bring, push the entire production back. And then you have like talent being like impatient, like you're trying to get them out of there. They have like hard outs, like all these things. It just like put me off to that entire thing where like it kind of like made me want to go the opposite. And I'm like, and also I think a lot of the reason why I never cared for that shit is because my background in like media was like as a streamer on the, the like the streaming side of things, which yeah. is very bare bones, very yeah. self-produced. And I was also very tapped into like the um, streaming ecosystem, and, like what popped off and what doesn't. And like the, you have people like Tyler One who are getting like 50K viewers or whatever the fuck with like the most scuffed headset, you mm-hmm. know, like a Logitech webcam. And it's like, so it's just like, like you said, like no one cares. Like people, as long as like the core content is good, like nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like it's all, you want to like try to make it look nice for sure. Like you don't yeah. want it to be super scuffed, but to just like obsess over tiny things that nobody will notice, that shit drives me crazy. And I think I use that approach now towards like everything that I produce, like um, where I, I just don't obsess over things and let it like, mess with me too much i kind of just like let those things wash over me and i'm like if the core product's good talent's happy and i think it's good then typically like i have like a good read on what will be like i guess people will want to watch yeah so yeah so i like rambled so hard no no no. i mean that's what podcasts are i'm (laughs) I'm really excited that this is where we're starting because i think that like i always make this joke on the podcast that this is, is actually just me kind of solving my creative problems by bringing people on that are like do the opposite of what I'm currently stuck in. And then I just like force you to tell me the secret of how to stop doing it. I got you. (laughs) Um, And so I don't know. That's interesting to me though, that like you came in, I guess with the confidence of not like, were you ever shaken by like, Oh my gosh, these people like these super professional people. And I put professional in quotes because like you're also obviously a professional but it's just people who maybe do it the more traditional media way Mm. of like the wires are hidden. You can't see the mics, like the lighting is perfect. And it's this very like almost, I don't want to take away from that because I I guess that there's, there's obviously that works. Right. Yeah. Um, But like, was that ever intimidating to you or did you have to work through? Cause it just sounds like you were so confident, like, Oh, that makes no, and being able to see that that doesn't make very much sense in in the context of like the work that you the sets that you were on yeah so i don't know did you come to that conclusion immediately or yeah i i I did i think it kind of honestly like i it wasn't it's not necessarily confidence because i'm just like i actually if anything i feel like i'm a pretty insecure person with a lot of self-doubt and back then i i didn't really have a choice like i couldn't really like be like this is dumb you know i I just had to do it and i think it was more so just like a boiling resentment for like (laughs) me being like this is such a waste of everyone's time and I know that the community that we are like packaging this to does not care and I think like it if anything it just like kind of created a bunch of self-doubt because I'm like 
if no one else like sees it the way that I see it, then I'm probably wrong, you know? Yeah. But now way after the fact, like, I mean, not to just like, like now I'm self-producing something that is for sure more scuffed than like on its surface than anything I did back when I was like producing for something like say 100 Thieves, but it's doing way better in terms of just like numbers and stuff. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is and it's it's like it definitely has helped my self-confidence because I'm like, okay, I was I should have just trusted myself back then. And I was like, yeah. I never like lost sight of that. I always like thought I was right, but I it, it definitely was like a few years of just like a lot of doubt, a lot of like uh insecurity brought on by me sort of feeling like I know better and yeah. that, but not being able to like act on it because I was just like at the like beholden to like my managers or whatever position I was in at the time yeah, yeah. well okay so not th- again not that there's anything wrong with like those kinds of productions no, not I at just all. think like I hated seeing people that were like used to doing like broadcast media try to apply that to like uh an audience that's very much like for streamers or youtubers where it's just very like um, self-produced content and then it just felt like it felt tone deaf it felt like you don't know your audience and you're obsessing so much more on like making the production look super tight and super polished yeah and not on like the core content that you're creating and i also feel like in the gaming space in particular and the streaming space and stuff people have such an insane nose for like that kind of stuff where if you sell them something that is like too polished or too like overproduced they can like smell that a mile away and they are put off by it like it doesn't feel like it loses like some of like its genuine sort of feeling um and i feel like that that tracks a lot you can kind of see that that people gravitate towards the sort of just like scrappy but still feeling very genuine type product versus like the super high production i mean look at like g4 for example like Mm -hmm. they threw a shitload of money at like the space everything on its surface should have worked and looked great. But I think people were just like, I feel like I'm being sold like a TV show and I don't want that. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point is that like, I think anyone who consumes any sort of media can see that the landscape of media has changed so like so drastically yeah. in the last five years and the last 10 years. But that like, we still want to be entertained, but the audience on YouTube and on like more street YouTube as in VOD, but you know, I was going to do the YouTube Twitch, but I guess now they both do both of them, but you know, VOD and live streaming. Yeah. It's like, yes, people are watching that instead of watching TV, but they don't want, they're not looking for TV on the internet necessarily. No, not at all. Which is really interesting. Yeah. And I think to go back to the 100 Thieves and not just 100 Thieves, but like any sort of company putting out content, it's interesting because like who are they doing the polish for? Because then you kind of look at it at a wider lens of they're selling. A lot of the business depends on selling to big brands, right? And so then is the polish actually for the audience or is it because the big brands are used to working on TV type stuff that is super polished so they're playing into that and then kind of the content in a way loses anyways. It's just really interesting. It is really interesting and it sucks because it's it's almost like self-defeating in that sense. Like you said, they're definitely polishing it for those legacy brands that like just to make it more attractive to them. Mm -hmm. But 
yeah, people will just be like, well, this just feels like an ad now, so I don't want it. And so in that like process of polishing it for the brands to get the bag, you've now lost your audience. So when the next contract cycle comes around, like you have nothing to sell them anymore. Yeah. So it's just like, you yeah. shouldn't have been catering that to begin with. But it's like, I, I it's also difficult, right? You need to like fund the, the it's machine hard. somehow. You can see where everybody's yeah. coming with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Like I can see why people are doing things and like why it makes sense and how it does actually legitimately make sense in that moment yeah. from certain angles. For sure. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know if this will ever get figured out because it's moving so fast at this point. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, it's so interesting to yeah. me. I, sorry, I'm like laughing because I'm like, I'm pretty sure your audience has no idea who I am. Yeah, well, <laughs> there, there'll be an intro to talk to you, but we can oh, more formally oh, introduce wait, you. Is, how is your show laid out? How is my show laid like, out? So I'll do like a um, kind of a like I watched the Broden's hypercut episode. thing. Broden's the best. He's him. so fun. Um, <laughs> kind of like a hypercut thing of like, blah, 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 blah. Soundbite, soundbite, soundbite. Very interesting. You should listen. And oh, then... Okay. <laughs> are you sold and then like an actual introduction of like Mauricio like does these things and he produces this but you do content that before and then it uh, cuts into this but you do that part like, and show yourself like yes like oh yeah that's sick so they they know you this, that's this again so much better produced than the show that I do <laughs> but also I mean to go back to what we were talking about I like have a lot of resistance to it I think because I'm like oh this is what the podcast that I listen to consistently, I like it when they do that. So I know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. At the same time, it feels so produced. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like hard to our, find the balance. Our show has completely thrown out that out the window, I think, in part because I um again, we're just like I'm the only producer, I'm the only production person on the mm -hmm. team. And so every single one of our episodes typically just starts with like me hitting record mid-conversation and we just cold open like that and then oftentimes like we'll get 15 20 minutes into an episode without even like introducing the guest that's kind of what happens here yeah, yeah. it's just that there's a little introduction <laughs> and then, like, but, i'll yeah. see those comments like who is this <laughs> but it's like I, it's fine you know are you guys live no Do no, you, no, no. Uh, no it's just you'll record it yeah and then put it out okay. i mean i'm live cutting the show yeah um and then usually i just like we we film and then I have to get the episode out within 12 hours typically. There's like a 12 hour turnaround. Okay, we'll definitely so, talk about that. Yeah. Um, and the show that, that you're talking about right now is Furian. Yeah, it's uh, Hassan and Will Neff's podcast. We just recently brought in Cutie Cinderella and Austin mm -hmm. Show as like core member. So cool. the four of them. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm the producer. And then uh, we, I'm, I'm producer and co-owner. Okay, so producer and co-owner. It's like an important asterisk, I think, because a lot of people... Well, for Hassan in particular, it was very important to him that when like I brought he brought me on, he gave me like an equal part revenue share in the entire thing. And um, good, yeah. Because like I mean, I, if anybody familiar with Hassan, I'm not sure how familiar you are, but like he's very, I've like met him in passing. He's very like pro workers' rights, like anti capitalist, like socialist. So like it's very important with him that like like I'm not his employee technically. You know, mm -hmm. like we have that rapport where you know if he needs something production done. I'll do it, but I have like equal say in the show. I like co-own it. We have equal split revenue share. So it feels very like empowering too, personally, like, cause I'm building something yeah. that I equal, like I immediately see like returns on, you know? Yeah. So how do you still work with Valkyrie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you make time for yeah. all that? Can you like lay out, I guess maybe everything that you do and how you think about like your week? Cause mm. thing, I feel like you have to be both 
planned and nimble if you're having a podcast episode come up and then you have 12 hours to get it out. Yeah. And then you also have like, I don't, there's just a lot on your plate. Yeah. The, so as like scuffed and last minute and sort of tight turnaround the podcast is, and there is a lot of like nimbleness required for the podcast too. Like sometimes we'll film instead of Sunday on a Saturday or like a guest switches up on us last second. That is the more structured part of my week because I can like typically expect that happening like on a Sunday, post Monday, like monitor like community activity, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So today's a Tuesday are like my days off. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's like, (laughs) it's like my weekends basically before the week starts back up again. And then um, to finish off like kind of my responsibilities for the podcast when I'm not directly like filming, shooting it, publishing it, whatever. Um, I'm also like trying to move like bigger picture things forward. So like trying to like, well, like, I manage like our discord server and like our socials and like our Patreon and so, like, trying to get like manage. community manage yeah. or like trying to get like merch off the ground. It's just like little things, like the little projects that I always like require, like either like a meeting here or like an email here. So there's always like a little something that I could do be doing to move the needle in that direction. And then with Ray, it's a lot more just kind of off the cuff. Like she'll hit me up and be like, hey, uh, this weekend I need you for this. Or like uh, we're going to this country next week or like we're um, I need you for a shoot like tomorrow or something. Um, the other thing with or like the other thing with Ray is I'm also kind of just top to bottom production for her. Yeah, so, I was going to ask, like, what exactly? So if she's like, I need you for a shoot on Sunday. Like, what are you expecting to do for her? It could be anything from, like, she's going to be on, like, a, a shoot for another brand or something. And she wants me to capture, like, a BTS vlog out of it. Okay. Or it could be, like, hey, I'm doing a cosplay with, like, Emmy Rue. Can you, like, take photos? Um, or it could be, like, I need to do this IRL stream deliverable for this brand. Can you help me set it up? So just like literally anything. Yeah. Um, Can I ask, you don't have to give numbers if you're not comfortable giving numbers, but I'm curious, like, how do you bill for that? Is it like depending on what skill set you're using or is it just like an hourly um, thing or does she have you on retainer? Yeah. So back in the day when we first started working together, so Mm -hmm. the timeline of me working with Ray was uh, we started out and I was just like doing photos for her. Like I was Mm -hmm. just like her photographer Um, and we can get into like how I fell into that if you want. But like I started out as just her photographer and then back then I would like do like a day rate um and which I've always been really bad at and I can talk about that they're too. so hard to fit like so even hard. now I feel like I'm always confused and I'm the worst this is gonna ask. get really ADHD by the way like I'm gonna fucking tangent it. so mean, feel free to pull same. me back in but no like, it's blind leading <laughs> the blind man yeah. <laughs> but like um so back then I'd like been like I'm really bad at day rates so like back then I'd be like it's funny because like they're like all these are like rich streamers like millionaires right and she'll be like what's your day rate and she's always like really good about wanting to pay me and i'm like i don't know free like <laughs> like whatever you want like, uh, just happy to be here yeah, just happy to be here like a uh, hundred bucks it's like i'm like starving but no um but so back then it was like a day rate um and um i would just bill her like based off like how she needed me and i usually had like a kind of blanket day rate Okay, so regardless of, would you edit for her also, or just sh- no, no, shoot? I wouldn't. Just oh, well, I edit photos, but like I don't, okay. I don't um, you don't edit video. Yeah. It's okay, just too so rather, I know. Yeah. Um, I just hired an editor for this podcast, and I'm yeah. like, glory. That's hallelujah. like the one thing I don't do. I mean, like I know how to do it, and I and when I'm traveling in different countries, filming the podcast, and still have that tight turnaround, I just edit it myself because I can't upload all that on like hotel Wi-Fi in Amsterdam, and then like. So there's just no time. So I'll edit it. But 
typically I just can't commit like the For fucking sure. six hour grind, 12 hour grind to editing something. Yeah. Okay. So regardless of if you're shooting video or still, you would just give her the same day, right? Yeah, typically. Okay, and then it. so as my responsibilities grew, though, mm -hmm. it kind of started to make more sense. Like, oh, hey, you just pay me a flat rate a month and you have me on retainer and I'm just on call. And so that's where we are now. So, like, okay. I mean, if you want a number, I can give you a number. But like, typically, like, um, it's just a retainer situation. So and I think that is more conducive to like the streamer brain kind of lifestyle because mm -hmm. they're typically like so last minute and like all over the place and their schedules are so crazy that I think it's nice for her to know that at any moment she can just like pick up the phone and be like, yo, we need this. And nine times out of 10, I'm available and like there and like ready to do it. Yeah. What happens if, cause like I'm just putting, I'm putting myself in your position. I am a very anxious person. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking like, Okay, if I'm on retainer and I'm receiving like a monthly or biweekly check or whatever from mm -hmm. this person and like I have plans, you're like, okay, I want or I'm like, I want to go to a birthday on Saturday. But then I'd be like, oh my gosh, at any moment, like mm -hmm. Ray could call like yeah. that signal, you know? Yeah. And then have there been instances where let's say it's, I don't know, your grandma's birthday, she's turning a hundred <laughs> sure. and you have to tell her like, Hey, I'm not available. Like, do you feel, I would feel like so guilty because like, are yeah. you going to dock my pay or like, should you dock my pay? Because like, oh, that's just part oh, of it. No. Like, what do you do? I, I prioritize work. Yeah. It's bad. Like it, it's bad, but it, to answer your question, like the real life application of this scenario is this is like my reality. Yeah. Um, typically, my bosses, so like Hassan, Ray, Will, all them, I feel very fortunate that they're all very understanding and very chill. Yeah. Like if I wanted to bail, I you even winced me. when you said yeah. that. Like they, you they, can't. They let me, <laughs> but I I typically don't. And it's I now have for sure have like the reputation, like my friend groups and like social circles that like I will try my best to be there. Yeah. But there's a non-zero chance that at any moment I'll just get called in for work and I just can't make it. Um. I think I've at this point been doing it for so long that I know when to expect what things and like I have like Ray's calendar on my phone. So like even yeah. if she doesn't give me a heads up, like I know kind of what's coming up. Um, and so I can kind of like brace myself. But there are times where like, hey, I've been like planning on going to this music festival for like two months with all my friends. And then last minute I'm like, oh, just kidding. I'm in fucking Japan or something. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it yeah. sucks sometimes. But also like I can't really complain because my jobs are sick, so for like, sure. I feel very lucky. I so I'm not gonna be like, oh, like, dang, dang. I yeah, work. I have to, yeah. I have to work for like huge streamers and like, yeah. Well, I guess as you're saying that, like, uh, that resonates with me because like being freelance, it's kind of the same thing. That it's except I'm just not on retainer, right? So yeah. like, I, Brandon and I are both a little neurotic, and so mm -hmm. we were plan. We have some trips that we planned. Um, for February and March. And as I was like telling the woman, uh, like the Airbnb lady, I was going back and forth with her. And um, I was like, oh my God, in my head, talk it. You said ADHD and I feel like you like spoke it into existence. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like shorting. Um, <laughs> no, but basically long story short, it's like, yeah, we're planning on doing these dates. But also like if like Connor, my agent calls and tells me that like there's a hosting opportunity. I'm not going to be like, no, I have a vacation planned. Yeah. You know what I mean? No way. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just the reality of there's a lot of positives of working in this industry and working like there's a lot of sacrifice a too. Sure. There's also a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Definitely. So how did you get into this? You said you started at a hundred. Well, even before a hundred. Which thieves. part? Like how did I get into just all of it? 
your current existence. Okay. Yeah. Would you say that you, I mean, you seem <laughs> like you like your life. Would you say yeah. that like, you're like, cool. Like happy. <laughs> happy. Are you happy? Uh, yeah. I, I'd say short answer. Yes, for sure. Okay, cool. I, I think I'm like typically a very optimistic and just low maintenance, happy person. Maybe that's why you and Brandon like each other so much. But on the, like, but a little deeper for sure. Yeah. I, there is like a constant sort of like, anxiety or like stress that's like pulling me in every direction but i think i'm really good at like zooming out and sort mm-hmm. of looking big picture and being like yeah this is really stressful or like this is bothering me or um like i feel like i wasn't as productive today whatever it may be but big picture it's like it could be way worse like i feel yeah. very lucky um and so i feel very grounded in that sense even though I am also very neurotic and ADHD lots of times too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so the it, best of us are yeah um <laughs> But to about as far as like how I how it all started, yeah, because I feel like even getting a job at a hundred thieves, especially back then, was that's like a big accomplishment. Yeah, for sure, doesn't happen by accident. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're I, like <laughs> actually, I just was walking in Culver City and I no, walked into this there building. Wasn't and- like that, but kind of <laughs> like um, so like some lore, kind of where I came from. I, I am from like this area. I'm from SoCal. Like I'm like an hour in the suburbs of socal wait which direction um inland empire like chino oh, hills okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um but so back then so i was i've always been a gamer like yeah. like through it like i'm going way back he's a gamer i'm going to the beginning i'm trying go to like to fill the, time we got yeah, like yeah go straight from yeah, the beginning it's a podcast by the way yeah. this is my first podcast <gasps> really marsh yeah i just make them i've never been on oh one. my god wait <laughs> yeah. i'm so honored yeah. i'm excited like I've, I've done like interviews and stuff here yeah. and there but i've never done like a like a podcast like yeah fuck down. those interviews yeah sit no. down podcast yeah which is way more because like interviews, I feel like I'm just like trying to give like fast answers. And, like, no, totally. Like, but like now I can feel like I just ramble and like, you know, you can chop it up if you want. Yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why I like the podcast. And usually I feel like we don't because I feel like, I don't know, I, I like rambling podcasts. Yeah. I to, like to see how people's brains are going. Uh, people always ask on Fear End mm-hmm. to have me on, but I, I probably will never be on that show. Why? But uh, Do you like not like no, I don't. Doing that, I don't or? mind. I mean, I was a streamer before. I don't mind being in front yeah, of camera. That's right. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I actually like don't mind it, and I feel like pretty comfortable in front of camera. Like I haven't done this in a while, so like it's a little. But um, no, because when I was so when I was relaunching, and we'll get back to my lore. Okay, I know I'm ADHD. I won't the lore forget. Will come I won't back. forget. But like uh, when we were launching Fear and um, I mean, I was just me, Hassan, and Will, and those guys are just like streamer brain. Like they're they, sure. they're doing their thing. Yeah. So it was basically just me, like building out like the creative vision of the show and everything like what do I want it to look like and feel like and I consume podcasts you know like I uh you know I, I've watched a lot of podcasts in my day like H3 and like the yard whatever and so I have like a little bit to like base it off like what I like and what I don't like and one thing I specifically fucking hate personally about podcasts is when I'm watching and I like have like the talent that like I'm a fan of and they're doing their podcast and then like just some like producer that I do not know is like in the conversation for like a huge chunk of it and i'm just like who is this guy i don't care what he has to say and so like honest and like maybe to like the like the diehard fans that like really like the producer they're like hell yeah like we really care but as just kind of like a cursory podcast enjoyer i always feel like like it takes me out of it so much okay um so coming into fear and i was like i'm not gonna like give myself a mic or a you camera. don't want to be part you don't want to be yeah. a cur- like sometimes they'll like throw shit to me or like i'll like you can hear me in the background laughing whatever like that's fine um but I'm not gonna like hop on a mic and like chime in and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that. Okay. But but people in the comments that. are always like, we need to march on, we need to march on. Yeah. 
Okay, so the I, am, I am the face of our community. Like I'm on the socials. I'm in Discord. They like know who like, you they are. know who I am yeah. for sure. But that's kind of fun. You're like a mysterious yeah. like. I walk through the camera sometimes. They know what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that mysterious. <laughs> well, you're like a like elusive. Maybe yeah. not mysterious, but it's like a if Marsh if you get like a Marsh appearance, it's yeah yeah it's exciting more accurate for yeah. sure. Hopefully it's exciting. <laughs> um, but going back, so basically, yeah, I grew up in this area. I've always been a gamer, right? I, always it's been like, a gamer. What kind of games? Uh, grew growing up, like formative games were like N sixty four, like Super Mario sixty four. Then like the big one was like for my age range was like GameCube. That was like probably the most Dude, formative GameCube. one. I was always been a Nintendo baby too. Like I had like, a, I had, like a PS two and stuff, mm -hmm. but like always been a Nintendo guy. Okay, so like pokemon fucking smash bros you know All the hits the hits um final fantasy too but like it's not nintendo but you know i've also been a huge jrpg guy too um I the name march you. is actually from a final fantasy game wait really yeah it's from a, a final fantasy spinoff on the game boy advance called final fantasy tactics advance the main character's name is march i stole that because i was playing an mmo and i needed a character name and wait what's what's is, is i'm my world is being <laughs> rocked right now wait what is your name not really Mauricio? No, my name's Mauricio. You just the nickname Marsh. Yeah, Marsh. Like my IGN is like. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, Marsh. I just thought that Marsh was like. Short a, for Mauricio. Yeah, I never really got it. But you know, it's like the dick and You're Richard like, I, sort like, of I a guess thing. it works, yeah. Like where I was like, okay, like no. I don't know any other Mauricios. No, so like March I can't like back check this. But Marsh is like a, like a gamer tag. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so. Nintendo. Although nowadays <laughs> I introduce myself like even to like normies as March. Like yeah. my girlfriend calls me March. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just thought, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. the more you know. Yeah. Um, but so always been a gamer and then um in like and always been a PC gamer too early on. So okay. lots of like MMOs, like I started with Ragnarok Online and then like World of Warcraft and all that. Ever get into uh, Toontown? Dude, it's so funny you say that because one short answer no, but last night I was on Discord with some friends. Dude, and Toontown Fox. one of my homies in Discord was streaming himself playing Toontown. Toontown Online. Which one? I don't there's know. There's two. There's two big there, it servers. Was, it so was there's the, the corporate corruption. Corporate clash. The corporate clash. So there's yeah. corporate clash and then there's Toontown rewritten. Yeah. And yeah. He, I've played both. Yeah. So he was like playing. Wait, it, it was funny as offline fuck. you'll have to tell me who it is because i'm always looking for people to play with because it's much more fun when you're playing with people i got you yeah oh my gosh oh, i'm he, so yeah. excited but so we were all like in discord joking about just like reminiscing on old yeah. uh, mmos and okay stuff. but so you didn't you played mmos but you did not unfortunately you missed not, toontown I, I missed the uh, okay the gaming phenomenon that was toontown yeah unfortunately I was like, I was definitely more of a tryhard back then. So like, I was like, okay. baby game, get me out. But <laughs> it was a baby game and it <laughs> but, was the best. So all that uh, eventually transitioned to like in like early high school, I got into League of Legends a lot. Okay. And so I was like really big on MOBAs. I've always been really competitive too in um, PC gaming in particular. So like in World of Warcraft, I only PvP'd. Like that's all I really cared about. I just like gear out to PvP. Um, so League was perfect, very PvP based, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so played that throughout high school. And then um, junior year of high school, I um, I actually tested out. I finished the year and then I tested out of high school a year early because I was like, fuck this shit, like, get, get me out. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and then so I, I don't even know how I found it. I forget. I wish I remember like specifically the memory, but I found a local land center in my area. Mm -hmm. um, and I just like started going there. Just to like hang out and like very quickly I met my roommate Gabriel 
who was working at that land center. No way. Yeah. And so he was like front desk and like I was just there. I'd go and like play league and like chop it up. He's always been like a social butterfly. So like we like met right away and like started talking and got really close. Um, and then uh, eventually I he was like, do you want to? work here you know i was like i was like i'll get you a job was, at the land center i'm like 17 at this point i was like yeah sure i uh i had like just finished high school and um i was started going to community college and i did like a some like half a semester of community college mm-hmm. and then dropped out and i was like i'm just gonna play video games because i like streaming was coming up and like being a thing at that point and yeah. so but at this point what year is it just so we can place like where streaming really was this was like 15 okay so we're past justin tv like 2023 and i'm 27 10 years ago i was 17 so that's 20 oh so like 2013 for 2014 yeah okay okay early days of twitch but barrier more people are are yeah at this place i'm at this point i'm still very much like a league head um but i've been playing league at this point for like four years yeah um so i'm getting a little burnt out on it and like i like but i'm a huge fan of like esports like i'm like like the early tsm early cloud nine i'm like the storylines are awesome it's like very uh like it just i'm like very into that whole thing like esports yeah. is sick uh, are you still into esports like do you still follow um not nearly as much okay but like every now and then if, if i have some sort of like like if i like know a player or something then i can i can like get that feeling again and be very invested but as like a whole, I'm not like keeping up. Yeah. Got it. But back then I was like, I was like really big on it. Um, and I was like, and my, back then, like my lofty goal, my lofty dream was like, I want to be a pro gamer. You know, I never okay. wanted to be like a streamer or anything. Like I was like, I want to be a pro gamer. That's all I care about. I care so more about competitiveness. Like, competing. Yeah. It's so funny hearing you say that. Cause like, I don't like you're yeah, not an no. intense person. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't, like, at least not now. Yeah, but so I, that was always like my goal. I was like, I want to go pro, but I was like, okay this point like i'm getting burnt on league i'm like barely scratching diamond i'm like i'm probably not going pro at this game let's be real but but i'm working at the land center i'm sucking at league really love esports really just want to be a pro gamer that's my lofty goal i'm like 17 mm-hmm. um and then blizzard fucking sends me an email and they're like yo we're making a moba technical alpha get your ass in here and i was like Wait, i like I don't know. I because I, I played Hearthstone or something. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but and because I played WoW a bunch, so they I'm, I've had a Blizzard account for like a decade at this point. Um, so I, I'm I I love like the Warcraft IP in yeah. particular. Like I loved Warcraft three and custom games and like World of Warcraft. And I was like, oh, this is sick! Like a brand new MOBA with characters that I love because they just pull from Blizzard IPs. Um, and I can get it on the ground floor, like, and I can just be like pro at this game. So that Perfect. was like my that was my plan. I was like, "It's here. This is it. I'm gonna this be a the pro time. Heroes of the Storm player." Okay. Um, and that was the, that was the game. It was Heroes of the Storm. Um, Heroes is dead. Now. Yeah, for sure. Oh, we'll rip. get to that. Rest in peace. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so, but so I started playing that game, and then it was a small community. It was very it was early access, so <clears throat> so like you like had to get like a key to play. Um, and right right off the bat, like people were like tryharding, making like custom lobbies, like scrimming, trying to like form groups and stuff and i was very in like in that scene very quickly like i like like established myself as like a good player in that um game very quickly and then so i was like and then this thing called twitch was like kind of in my peripheral popping up like people were streaming and like making careers out of it and so in my mind so i'm working at a land center i don't really have a pc that's good enough to like play games let alone stream at home uh in my mind i was like oh so i'll just 
stream Heroes of the Storm because people don't have access to the game, but they probably want to watch it because it's new and exciting. Yeah. Um, and so I'll stream and then that's how I'll like promote myself as like a good gamer, like a good player. So that's what I did. I would like do an eight hour shift to the land center and then I'd lock up at night and then I'd turn on one of the PCs and then I'd go live for like fucking 10 hours and like just all nighter benders and just like play Heroes of the Storm. Were you thinking like, okay, I'm going to stream this so that people can watch and hopefully somebody will pick me up like for Yeah, I had no intention of being a streamer. I was like, I still want to be a pro gamer. That's all I care about. I was like, I want to be a pro in this game. Like that's my priority is being a pro, not being a streamer. Is that why you graduated high school early or? No, I graduated high school early just because I just kind of felt like my time was being wasted and I was over it. it. I was just kind of just being an edgy teenager and was like, we love some edgy. Too. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, I, and I, well, I, what I told myself in my head was like, this is like lame and I hate high school. My life sucks now. I'm just kidding. But like, I, I mean, we all <laughs> been so there hard, now. like, you know, but, and so I, I, but I was like, oh, I'll test out a year early and then get a year head start on community college. Cause I knew I, was go- I wasn't going to like this insane like school, even if I applied myself, cause my family was like not, they didn't have the money for that. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to go to community college, which is fine. And then I'll transfer. So I'll just test out early, get a head start on my credits, and then go do that. Easy peasy. Okay. I was just curious. But I dropped out right away to play video games, <laughs> like immediately. But you, it sounds like you had a plan. Yeah. <laughs> like a rough yeah. plan. Okay. You had a rough plan. A lot of gambling, like not like money, but like, like gambling with on yourself. My life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I just, I, before we jumped into like further into you streaming, I just think it's interesting, like how innately like determined you were Mm. you know what i mean whether it was because you had like this very clear goal and correct me if i'm wrong but just from you talking about it it sounds like no i think you're right um, like you didn't necessarily have this clear goal of like i'm gonna test out of of high school early because i want to be a professional player at this point but something didn't wasn't resonating and it sounds like you like found a way to kind of find a solution to that yeah and then kind of just kept taking the next steps yeah. until things felt more clear. All, all the while, it's like I also had like the pressure of my parents just being like they weren't like oh, they weren't like the strictest parents. They were definitely strict, but they weren't like insanely strict. Like you have to go to like a four year college or anything like that. Yeah. But they definitely wanted me to like get an education and they would like crack down on me, like spending too much time playing video games and mm. stuff like that. Like the classic just so like. So you're like, oh, if it's work, then I, you I was, can't I, get mad at me. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> I'm just working a lot. And so, and so in my head back then, and back then, like making a career from gaming was like not a popular not a, thing at yeah. all. Um, and my parents were like not about me like testing out or like, and I did not tell them that I dropped out for a while. I just like hid that from them. Um, what was that conversation like? Um, I maybe to this day they don't know that I dropped out. I might have just said that like I like wasn't <laughs> Hopefully they don't them. listen to glad I asked. Yeah. I mean at this point they're fine. They're very supportive. Yeah. They're like he's he's he knows what he's doing, you know. Yeah. But back then I think it's hard to like look at like your 17-year-old son who's like telling you like the video games are the future and I he's swear. Like, they're like please no (laughs) (laughs) anything but that i remember i told my parents i was streaming on twitch because i started in college around the same time as you like 2014 and um i remember i was like explaining to them oh yeah like 
I got the like I saved up all my money over the summer and I like bought this PC. It was a super scuffed PC. I was literally <laughs> streaming at like 16 frames. It nice. was so bad. <laughs> and I was like, they were like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I play video games. And then like, there's a camera on me and I talk to people <laughs> like live and they thought I was a cam girl <laughs> and they were so concerned because oh, my parents no. are very strict. But then at that point I was in college, so they couldn't really yeah, tell me not to yeah. do it. And they were so concerned. But luckily I have like a cousin who married somebody who works who worked at Blizzard. Oh, nice. And so he kind of like, she, explained he, he was to like, them. no, it's a thing. It's cool. Like, yeah. Well, then it, some, like a fan sent me something for the first time. Like, I think it was like a pair of pants or something. And I remember my mom was like, where'd you get that? And I was like, oh, this guy who watched my stream <laughs> sent it to me. And they were like, yeah. Oh yeah, my God, you're going to get kidnapped. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, I think that was also like a legitimizing like time or le- le- legitimize me in like the eyes of my parents a lot too. Mm-hmm. When, blizzard started to like pick me up because so, yeah. so what happened was like i was streaming hots a lot and um hots being hero of the storm yeah and um i like back then blizzard was like trying to like you know they were they had the community managers and they were like keeping an eye on like how the scene was growing and the game was growing as they like rolled the game out and like like uh it went live and stuff um and i was like streaming it i was at the top of the heroes category typically like somewhere up there so they knew who i was and then um all the while, also at the land center, I was working for like a boss who did not like that I was doing this at all. Like he was like, like Gabe was like, "You do you, man. This is sick." All the while, Gabe was also like doing his esports thing very early on, like working with like like early LCS teams and like doing production stuff. So we were both like in tandem, kind of like following our like lofty esports goals cool. in some capacity. Yeah. I was like, "I'm gonna be a pro gamer," and he was like, "I'm gonna do like content for Team Liquid or Winter Fox or whatever." Um, and our boss hated me because I would like lock. And he was just like, he was, I hate him so much. <laughs> he was like so late. So you guys didn't, um, what's it called? What's it called where you like um, our friends again? You didn't reconcile. Reconcile. Yeah. No. You guys didn't reconcile. I don't know. Fuck that guy. I don't know anything <laughs> about him these days. But like, he just to give you an idea of who he was, I spending too much time on him. He was this guy who owned like a 68 PC land center that was very nice and clean. And was so out of touch with his customer base that he would like promote it and market it as like a office workstation like place. Even though okay. 99.9% of his clientele was going in there to play like Hearthstone and Counter Strike. It was a PC cafe. Shit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. How and, interesting. And so I'm just like, it kind of goes back to like the 100T like production stuff that like th- these people that are just like so out of touch with their audience, yeah, trying to sell them something they don't want while like being so stubborn and like this is what they want and yeah. then like watching it fail the land center doesn't exist anymore so yeah, but like, like but we have printers but we have printers yeah they did have printers but like so he would also try to like make me pay for time on the pcs even though i worked there uh-huh. and like there was i was never like taking a spot we were never like at capacity once in a blue moon but he would want to like pay me minimum wage and then be like, you can't use the computer for free but i would like weasel around and like find ways to basically steal time on the pcs from him at <laughs> That, to, Wait, the, to the tune of like entire live streams i don't even remember how i did that but yeah, like for like hours but he was like he would like watch the cameras and stuff and like try to crack down it was a whole thing oh they try gosh. to keep me down man they try to keep me down and, and you were like joke, no way i always joke with gabe about how like if i had just like rolled over and been like yeah boss says i don't want to do this like all right i can't do this like who knows where i'd be now because like yeah truly because stre- streaming at the land center what i did was like i did heroes and i was streaming and then finally through there, I made enough money to buy a PC for my house and then ultimately made enough money to like 
quit that job through streaming. Um, and if I hadn't like put in the hours at that land center to like buy a PC for my place, like I might have just like given up on the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Well, and it goes back to kind of what we were talking about again in the beginning of like if you have this fixation on production or doing things by kind of the right way or yeah, I think it's like you have, it's hard because we're not necessarily telling everybody to go like break a bunch of laws or be right. like delinquents. But at the same time, I think like you have to know when to not listen, I guess, yeah. or when to not care. Because for me, yeah. when I was streaming, like my, me streaming led to my entire career. And like, if I would have been so obsessed with production at that point, there's no way I would have gone live streaming at yeah. like 16 FPS. That's horrible. It's a horrible viewer experience, but I did it anyways because I didn't give a fuck and I didn't know better at that point. Yeah. And just like you, it's like, you're not going to listen to this guy because like he doesn't know what he yeah. was talking about. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of been like one of the most common threads uh, that I've only kind of recently um, sort of processed and internalized in the yeah. past, maybe like year of my life is that, there's been this like common theme and like common thread throughout my life and like my career that like I end up in a scenario where I'm like so certain of something and something makes so much sense to me, but the people immediately around me, usually in positions of authority over me are like in some way or another trying to discourage me from doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I feel really horrible, but I like push through it and kind of trust myself and then come out the other side looking back and being like, damn, if I like didn't trust myself, I wouldn't be in this position yeah. right now, which I feel very lucky to be in. Where does that self-trust come from? Like, I don't know, because I feel like in that moment, it's hard to trust myself, but I still did it. Did and it now and now that I've like seen that pattern repeat enough times in my career, it's gotten easier where I'm like, okay, now I like, I've trusted myself has gotten me this far. So like, I know what I'm doing. And like, that's not to say like, I'm like stubborn and like won't take in like exterior sort of info yeah. or like suggestion. I always try to be open-minded. But ultimately, it's like I, I feel like I have a very clear vision in my head of like where I'm going or what I want to yeah. do. Yeah, that's a hard balance and something I like constantly struggle at because like I'm super open minded. I'm very curious. Like I really like understanding where people are coming from or like what their opinions are. But I think that like for me, I struggle with internalizing it maybe too much to then where I get confused because I'm like, oh, yeah. they do have a really good point. And like I like them as a person and I trust them and respect their respect them. Yeah. But like. Just, you know, everyone you respect wouldn't necessarily make the same decisions as you. Yeah. It's yeah. easier when you don't respect them and you still don't dislike them. Like yeah. what? 10 years later. It, it is a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm also kind of petty in that sense from like, uh, it's honest. Bro. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Okay. So you were streaming enough. So how, what were you like averaging viewership wise if you were able to. Uh, so like, so like, I'd say like, like land center. Uh, back then, very early on, probably like a couple hundred. Like, uh, that's like one or two yeah. viewers. organically growing yeah. that organically, much though, and it was big. also a very tight-knit community so like yeah. people would host each other it was like i started streaming i remember like the month that the host feature was introduced to the twitch okay. platform yeah so i don't know when that was but that was like a checkpoint that like 2014 ish yeah. yeah um and so but it was like building it was like an ebb and flow like some months would be better than others obviously a lot of it was just uh and and back then getting into the twitch partner program was impossible and there was yes. no affiliate so basically if you weren't getting donations and you weren't partnered you're making no money mm -hmm. um i forgot about those days yeah. yeah so i was strictly living off donations i was there was multiple months where i hit like the 500 viewer like like requirement to apply for a partnership mm -hmm. and you have to like email twitch and basically write them an essay and be like please let me join uh, I make I have enough viewers I promise and then they'll be like fuck you no and so <laughs> I, I got that rejection a few times and that's like so like 
crushing because yeah. like, your entire like you invested so many hours into this. Um, but my community and like I don't know if any of them would watch this. I mean, they might. A lot of them are like very like loyal and still like keep, tap in every now and then. But like my community just has always been so supportive and got wow. me through so much. Like I have so many like core community members and even like broader community members that like were supportive not only financially but would just show up and like they definitely were what got me through like multiple years of my life of just like uncertainty and like yeah i i owe so much of this to them um but so i was streaming hots and then blizzard like took interest in me they i was pretty like um what's the word i'm looking for like marketable drama free um like yeah marketable i guess like, I, was yeah, just, yeah. I was just not controversial and so they like um would put me on like the blizzard launcher or like they would like fly me to like a convention or like take cool. me to blizzcon to like try out new stuff so like they, they like helped me a lot they worked with me a lot and so i had a very close relationship with um blizzard back then and i had a lot of friends that worked there at the time um did just, you like, make those friends through like did you already have like, heroes them? okay yeah. through heroes yeah and through I mean, like blizzard reaching out and yeah and then just meeting people at like blizzcon yeah. and stuff or like online and then meeting in person um and then, but ultimately, I mean, anybody familiar with HOTS, like, uh, knows that eventually, like, it, the game didn't really perform to what Blizzard wanted, and they kind of just, like, laid off a bunch of people, and then eventually, like, axed the, um, like, the LCS, like, the professional league of that game, and when you kill the professional league of a MOBA, like, it's hard to keep people, like, interested. It's like, what yeah. is this, like, what are we doing here? Um, so they killed that game. Really shitty time for me as somebody who, like, made all my content around this game. Oh, and then somewhere in that timeline of like um me streaming heroes which is about like a four-year period or something yeah um my priorities definitely shifted from like being a pro gamer to like about two years or so in there were opportunities to play with uh pro teams for sure because i was always like hovering somewhere in the top of the leaderboard and people would always be like trying to like try people out or like look for yeah. like teammates and stuff um and i was very like involved with the scene um but I realized very quickly like oh this game is not really that big enough um and the prize pools aren't really there for me to invest in like the super rigorous like training schedules that these teams kind of subject themselves to like there are people if you're on a pro team you're like scrimming like six to eight hours a day there's not really yeah. much time to like now go stream like six to eight more hours that day like it just you there's no time for anything else you know and so i was like okay i mean even though my heart isn't like competing it just financially makes more sense and for like my longevity as like a creator to just focus on streaming, my stream is doing well. I'm making more money doing it than like a lot of like the people who are playing pro at mm -hmm. Hots. So I'm yeah. just gonna it'd be it'd be foolish not to do it, um, yeah. not okay. to focus on that. So I transitioned into trying to be just a streamer. Blizzard killed the game. I'm like still trying to make streaming work. I'm getting burnt out on it. Like the viewership is like dwindling. A lot of self doubt again kind of comes back in. Don't really know like what my my future is looking really uncertain. Like I don't even know if like, I want to stream. It's like it's a rough time. Um, yeah. and then, Are you still living at home at this point? Or have uh, you No, kind of... I, I had moved out at this point. Okay, so yes. I'm just wondering like what your overhead is. Like you have bills to pay. Like yeah, there's like a lot yeah. more going on. <laughs> yeah, okay. and I don't want to move back home, you know? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I had, I had made enough money streaming to move out and actually go live with Gabe, who at this point like was on his own journey and mm -hmm. started working at Team Liquid. Um, are you familiar with Damien Estrada? Yeah. Yeah, he was Wait. working with Damien at oh, Team funny. Liquid like okay, way back in the day. Cool. Um, and so they lived in like these apartments at, in Santa Monica and he was basically like, 
when I was making it, uh, when I was streaming, so he's like, yo, come move in with me. And like, we need a roommate. And I was like, yeah, let's go. And so I moved out of my parents' house, went to like LA proper, like Santa Monica. Um, and then stream or heroes died. Stream was kind of like burning me out. I needed something different. Uh, Nate shot had, had poached Gabe at this point to go start the content team at hundred thieves because of his work at team liquid. Got it. So, cause Gabe was like one of the first employees. He was like Jackson. the first. One. Oh, he yeah, was with Jackson. Yeah. Which, was, I don't know which one came first, yeah. but it was like them. And then, a, and then what's her face? Um, um, Julia. Julia. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, and so he was working, he was building all of hundred T like very early days, like the first days. Um, and then very quickly he was building out the content team and he approached me and he's all like, he knew what I was like kind of going through, like kind of just looking for other opportunities. And like, that wasn't like, my heart wasn't in streaming. I kind of became more of like a chore because I just had like bills to pay and shit. For sure. Um, but like streaming a dead game every day, it's kind of sucks. That's rough. Yeah. Um, it's hard enough to stream when you're burnt out. And then if you're streaming a game, that's just, just not. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, especially as somebody who's like, my heart's in competing, but there's no competing happening. I'm just like, I'm just spamming ranked games just for the, yeah. Just um, to do it. Yeah. Um, and um. So he approached me and he's like, we need somebody to um, help with our live stream broadcast of back then Riot Games would like let the teams in the LCS broadcast the Academy games, like their challenger okay. team games, basically. Um, Which for people who don't know, that's like they're your like minor leagues. Yeah, exactly. And so like they, they would put the the responsibility on the teams to broadcast their own games. They made it a requirement for a while, which is where I came in. They actually required the teams to broadcast it, which was really weird. Okay. Yeah. And so, but I mean, it worked out for me. And so Gabe was like, yeah, so we need somebody who like knows Twitch and OBS. And I told him that you might be interested. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. And so that's like how I got my foot in the door at 100 okay. Thieves. I was like, this is in my wheelhouse. Like I'm not like a, the only production background I have is me being self-taught because of my own broadcast. For sure. Yeah. But that's exactly what we needed in that moment. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I started kind of like uh, just doing some contract work with them with their live streams. And then eventually they're like, do you want to come like PA some stuff? Um, I was like, for sure. And then eventually they approached me and they were like, do you want to produce um, the Courage and H-Shot show with this other producer? His name was Alex. He's like, you'd basically just be working with Alex directly and you two would like produce the Courage and H-Shot show. And there was another podcast that Hunter these did back then called Self Made with Nate Shop, where Jackson was on that too. Um, but so the Courage and Nature show, I, uh, was brought on to like help build that. And back then we, um, would just build it in like, uh, Nate shot's living room. So mm -hmm. it was a pretty rough like process of like build up and tear down every single episode, uh, an entire set in a living room. Yeah. It definitely like taught me a lot in terms of just like what goes into a production. Like even just like, like I didn't really even know how to like use a camera or anything. Cause that was like your first. Yeah. I don't like want to say like basically. real production, but kind of one with budget. Yeah. We'll call it. Yeah. Where, where like people like, and I think that's where kind of, so, and I was working directly like under slash with people that did know what they were doing in terms of like cameras and lighting and stuff. So I was like, I was very eager to kind of just like take it all in and pick up what I could mm -hmm. and just apply myself and also just like be helpful any way that I could. Um, but that's also definitely where I picked up. Like I started noticing the trends of like, oh, we're spending 15 minutes on hiding this wire that nobody will notice. And I know that for a fact, because up until this point, I have a very like intimate relationship with like the gaming audience as somebody who was a streamer for five years. Like I know what people care about, what people don't care about. This is my scene for sure. Um, and then seeing people kind of from a more production background 
try to cater to that. I'm like, oh, no one's going to care about this. But then I'm also like a lowly PA. So I can't be like, this is a waste of time. We shouldn't do this because that's like, I'm just an asshole. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm not going to say anything. You just would lose your job. So I would just basically like internalizing, just being like, <laughs> like, well, it's interesting because while you were saying that, I was thinking about like, hmm, why do I care so much about when like wires are hidden or et cetera, yeah. et cetera? Because I do know. Like, and keep going with the wires hidden thing. I think like, well, no, because like, <laughs> I think that's an easy example. That's like, if you work in production and you see a an out of place wire, like you notice and it's annoying. Yeah. But if you don't work in production, Nobody maybe you notice it. You probably don't. Yeah. But it's interesting because it's like, like is this is this driving you crazy? Right? No, okay. like I I think I'm at the point with this podcast for better or for worse <laughs> that I'm like I the part of the podcast that I like is sitting down and talking to people yeah. and everything else is like kind of a nuisance. Yeah. So if there's a wire on the table, like so fucking be course, it. Yeah. As long as we're talking, yeah. I don't really care. Um, but it's like the part of me that does care comes in with I've worked with so many production people and it's almost a like I want other production people to know that I know what I'm doing yeah, but it's fair. like again a disservice to the audience because if more energy is going towards like a the small es- group of like production people that'll notice exactly and that energy be- could be rerouted towards like building a more interesting episode towards research towards like I don't know not stressing so that you're more present when you're shooting like Really, you're taking away from the audience sure. to cater to that like small group. But sure. I digress. Yeah. Again, I'm like airing out my issues. No, here. it's totally fine. <laughs> it's, this is very interesting. Um, yeah. And so I'm giving like the super in depth version of this story. And I like, love it. So, this okay. is great. So Courage and Nade Shot Show. You're learning. Yeah, that. I'm learning. I'm doing that. Um, actually, Ray uh, lived in that house too, and mm. that was probably the first time I met her. But we did not like. So I was also like a very shy person. I think I've become yeah. a lot. I've always, I've never been like so shy where like I can't like speak to people, but I've always been like, I don't want to like bother people or like insert myself too much. I've always been yeah. kind of background um, where it's just funny because like on my stream, I'm like front and center. But when it comes, I think it's more so I'm entering like a space with like all these like big streamers and mm-hmm. like and, and like production people with skills that I don't know. So I'm just like. That's hard to I navigate. Feel kind of yeah, like I just need to. Like fish out of water. Yeah, or, for sure. Okay. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm just like shy, you know? And so I definitely like ran into, there's, I remember vividly one time on the podcast, she went, I'm building this podcast set in Ray's living room. She was living with nature at the time. And she just was out back, like, let, like letting Mika out to like use the bathroom. And I was like, Hey, what's up? Or like, she said, Hey, and I was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And I was like, that was our first meet. And I like knew who she was because I yeah. worked a hundred deep. So obviously I knew who she was, but it wouldn't be until like a year after that, that we would like first start working together and I just think back I'm like damn in that moment I couldn't even in my wildest dreams imagine that like now I'm like a full-time employee for Ray and like we're like we're homies like we have a really good like relationship yeah and I'm just like in the space but my position in the space is what it is today like coming I just like to think back on that moment where I was like just like I could barely even like speak because of like why is this like huge streamer talking to me right now like how do I not sound stupid right now you know yeah and I'm like oh funny how things play out it really (laughs) is i mean i think like for so many reasons i think one it's funny how things play out and then two that that feeling is like so common i find myself thinking that like all the time yeah i still feel that way for sure but it's like funny (laughs) i was thinking about this the other day this is so embarrassing to admit no Um, please (laughs) i so angst really big fallout boy fan and i don't know why i was like thinking about this maybe because brandon and i were talking about like if you could meet somebody famous like who would you meet 
And I think I said fall up. I was like, probably like Patrick Stump or, <laughs> yeah. um, Pete Wentz. or Pete Wentz, who, you know, lyrics and the like musicality of it or whatever. And I was like, cause I think I've like been such a fan of them for so long and blah, 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 blah. And then like, I was like kind of shower thoughting it. And I was like, what would I even say to them? Like, what do you talk about? Yeah. Cause it's yeah. like you, you want on one hand, like you want to be cool. Right. And you don't want to be like too gushy of like, oh my gosh, I love your stream or like your music means yeah. so much to me. Yes, sure. But they hear that all the time and I'm in it for the long game. Like I want to build a long-term yeah, relationship. Like we're trying to be friends. Exactly. <laughs> so like, how do you friends talk to each other? And then it's like, okay, well then you have to find something to relate on. And like, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. weird. Do you ignore the fact that they like have accumulated this great success and like are a lot of like public notoriety or yeah. do you like confront it in the beginning? It's hard whether Very it's hard. like somebody like Fall Out Boy or it's a huge streamer or yeah. like, it's just, it's hard. What do yeah. you, I don't I never landed on an answer by still, the way. Uh, yeah, and I definitely still run into that. Um I I don't get like starstruck. I just get like shy in the sense that like I don't know. I feel like these people meet so many people it's like why the fuck would they care what I have to say? No, like, I feel the same yeah. way where it's like I don't want to be annoying. Like yeah, I don't, don't want to talk annoying. to you for yeah. the sake of like you're somebody to Yeah. that like has notoriety. Like if we naturally have a conversation cool yeah but then i think i almost maybe come off as more standoffish towards yes. those types of people than i mean yes, to dude yes i struggle with that so much because like people will come onto the podcast as like like streamers will come on or like big celebrities because Hassan yeah. is like celebrity like he's in those circles too like just legacy celebrities they'll just come onto the show and they'll walk into Hassan's house and it's just like a room with just me Hassan, will whoever like austin um and then they all introduce themselves and I'm just like the production guy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like in this weird limbo every time where like the nice thing to do would be just like confidently introduce myself and stuff. But like, I don't want to be like annoying and like they don't care who I am. And so like, but then sometimes depending on how I'm, it's like literally a day by day thing. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like feeling like confident. I'm like, yeah, what up? Nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. I'm the producer. And then sometimes I'm like, feeling extra like insecure that day and so I don't say anything and then the whole time in my head I'm like they think I'm an asshole they think I don't care about talking <laughs> See, to them but it's like but yeah. no if I open my mouth then I would just be stressing about how I said something really dumb yeah 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 I still struggle with that so much I'm getting better at it so if anybody yeah. has any answers let yeah. us know <laughs> yeah I think like help just like just saying fuck it and like being just conscious of it and trying to force yourself because there's never a situation like it's so stupid because like if there's ever a scenario where like I say hi to like one of the guests and they're like mad at me for introducing myself like it's fuck like, them you're an, like, you're an asshole <laughs> like, this no, is not yeah. a me problem yeah. yeah but i don't yeah i don't know why like why we're so mean to ourselves in our heads right? but yeah no, i know well it's just funny because it's like yeah i don't know like no because Noah and i well at the same time that i knew noah before creator camp so marsh and i yes met at 100 thieves creator camp what a great and um trip that was. super fun <laughs> but it was funny because for some reason and maybe it's because noah's the way that he is but like that's when Noah and I became really good friends. I worked on one other shoot with him, but like we didn't really talk. Noah and I became super good friends, but I found myself constantly feeling that way around a lot of the other streamers because they were all really big streamers and I was just there as a host. Yeah. And I like wasn't really sure how to talk yeah. to people. I, I can only really speak for myself here, but I think a lot of what comes what it comes from for me personally is yeah. like just being privy to like the streamer space and like the gamer like esports space for so long i feel like you're always so worried that you're going to come off as a way of like trying to like social climb off somebody no, that's a hundred percent yeah yes and like that's the last thing i want to do like mm -hmm. even if it means silencing myself to the point where i make myself invisible the last thing i want is somebody to think i'm approaching them because they 
I want to just like be their friend like, to use them. Siphon followers. Yeah. Them. And yeah. so, which is bad because then you just end up being like, you're the asshole. You're the asshole for not saying anything. <laughs> so there's a healthy balance for sure. But that's where it comes from, I think. I think everybody's just so scared to like try to come off as like you're trying to just use them for like clout, you know? Yeah. Which is so dumb. But like it's just also the reality of like working in these spaces. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the reality. Know. But anyways, okay. So you have been working. You were talking about how you couldn't imagine oh, in so, that point when you first said hi yeah. to Ray. Or so you guys I, I start like climbing the ladder at like 100T um, and – just like getting more responsibilities at this point in my career. And honestly, up until like maybe pretty recently up until like maybe like eight months ago, my like mindset into everything that I like or every space that I've been in like hundred T and like forward um, has always just been like, just say yes to everything. Like just say yes yeah. to every opportunity that comes your way. Like try to be as helpful as possible. Anything anybody throws at you just say yes. You never know like what doors will open. Um, so at this point, hundred these, I'm just like saying yes to everything they'll throw at me. Um, and then I end up getting a full-time job there as technical director. And then it was my time during my time there that I made a lot of these connections just organically. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to joke that like partying has like propelled my career more than anything <laughs> else I've ever done sure. because like, I think that just, I've just end up, ended up in so many scenarios where like I'm working because like if I'm at hundred thieves and I'm like on a set for a shoot, I'm not like really approaching the guests unless like they like talk to me for some reason i'm not really approaching the talent and being like hey like i'm so and so i'm like one of the five employees here like because i don't want them to think that i'm just like trying to social climb off them but there are often scenarios where for one for whatever reason i'm ending up like at a party or like at a music festival or like some social gathering that other like streamers or like esports people were at and in those settings i'm just like it's much more like the walls are down kind of yeah not, it's not like a professional setting so we're just chatting um, and then I'd like see them on set or whatever. And then we'd like have that shared experience and then we'd organically build like friendships that way. And that happened with a lot of people. And then also there's like the layer of like, I was kind of promoted to the talent at hundred thieves as like the streamer guy, basically like who can help with like streaming problems, like kind of white glove service tech issues. Um, which when you build an entire roster of talent that streamers, that's somebody they really like want yeah. to like be in touch with. Yeah. Um, and so I think just organically that happened. But then this weird thing happened. So, I mean, all this kind of happens where like I'm during that time, I ended up working with Ray too, but just to kind of finish out like my time at 100 Thieves, this weird thing happens where like I start working with Ray and uh, and other streamers, like I like help them one on one. And then I become really good friends with a lot of the talent in these streamers and they'll just ping me personally like they'll like text me for issues and stuff and all the while like i feel like there's like this like animosity or like weirdness almost like jealousy like brewing from like a manager or like a coworker, um because they don't have that relationship with the talent you know mm -hmm. um nothing stopping them you know but like they see that and they just don't like it and so they try to like kind of discourage that behavior yeah all the while in my head i'm like no this is what makes the talent feel comfortable this is what makes them feel like my time being signed to 100 Thieves is good, like that there's somebody that I can depend on that can like help me out no matter what. They'll go out of their way to help me, even if it's like maybe they should be going to like the talent person first and then that should be delegated correctly through the right channels. They feel comfortable asking me to do a job. I can do that job. Who fucking cares how what process took place for that to happen? We should just yeah. be happy that the end result is that our talent feels like we have their back. But like mm -hmm. that was not like pe people would not, not see that yeah. the way I saw that. 
they were like mad all the, I was getting like reprimanded constantly for like having people like come to me directly for like help and stuff. Um, and then like instead, because I wouldn't say no, I'd yeah. be like, I, so again, it kind of goes back to like, I'm just like understanding like, when I, to I'm kinda... being pressured to like not do these things and I'm just still doing it. And it, and who knows where I'd be because, um, that happened with like Ray a bunch where like Ray was like a special situation because she was a co-owner of hundred thieves. So I could use that as a shield a lot when like Ray would like pick me out and be like, Hey, I need you for this shoot. And I had like no camera gear or anything at this point in my life. So I'm just yeah. like going into the gear closet, hundred thieves and like stealing a camera to like shoot a vlog for her. But I'd be like, and then like my manager would be like, did you take a camera? Not because he needed it. He was just like being an asshole. And he never, <laughs> they never needed it because we had yeah. so much shit. Like, I would never take anything that I knew he needed. Um, and then I'd be like, yeah, I'm using it for Ray though, who's a co-owner. So it's like, what are you going to do, man? You're going to fucking like, tell- Like technically gonna, she owns this yeah, camera. Yeah, you're going to tell Ray that like this was no-no. But like still, there was just so much animosity brewing and it was really shitty. And um, so I, uh, but I mean, there were times where I'd like go help Will out or Broke KB or name anybody on that roster. I'd help them out in some capacity and I love them all so much. I love our talent so much or who was talent, whatever. Um, and they've given me so many opportunities personally after the fact or like um, kind of just like put my put in a good word for me for other opportunities. And I know a lot of that stems from just me being available to them. And if yeah. I, again, had just like not done that and listen to my manager and be like, sorry, you got to go to like this talent person or whatever, or like maybe like who knows what opportunities would have come my way, you know? No, totally. And so um, so that was happening. And there was also like a period of time where I was like, okay, fine, like, I don't want to be like the tech director guy. Like they just want me to kind of like put my head down and focus on like just being an onset guy and not actually build the relationship with these um, content creators. I was like, fine, then just put me on the talent team. Like the talent team right now is consisting of like two or three people that are, are like legacy, like agents and stuff. They don't know what goes into streaming, what goes into like, and like all these logistical like problems pop up where like you're a talent person booking an Airbnb for an out of state talent. But like, you didn't even think to like ask if the Airbnb has like internet for them like to stream what from. Their, or like, like internet specs what they, are. Yeah, it's just yeah. shit like that. Like there's no reason for you to like know those things, but it's just helpful for you to have someone like me on your team because so you do I know, know everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, just let me join. Let me join the talent team. They're like, no, no, no. Like stay in your lane, you know, like, no, 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 no. This was like an internal struggle for like months and months and months up until like me leaving. But like, um, and so it like by the end of my job, my, my time there, I was just like so miserable because I was like, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm like being discouraged from like doing the things I do want to do. Like this sucks. And then after the fact, I end up like leaving and like working for Ray full time. And I'll like back up and talk about how that happened. But like I ended up leaving and like we're working for Ray full time and stuff. And then one of my close friends, her name's Jessica. She works at a loaded. Uh, she still works there. Amazing person. Love her. She just, we like hang, hang out often. Like she's like in my, my friend group and she like texts me like sometime like late last year or something. And she's like, uh, she just sends me like a, a a picture of a PowerPoint of like a Zoom meeting she's in. And she's like, yo, look who popped up in my PowerPoint. And like it is a PowerPoint within like the talent like managers at Loaded, like just going over like the three pillars of like what makes talent successful. And then you had like, one person and then you had like another person and then you had a picture of me and it literally said like a march like individual who like offers white glove service to like all talents needs to offer like turnkey solutions or whatever the fuck yeah and i was like 
oh, that's crazy. Like, yeah. And you I, didn't even know that you were like building that. No. And then, but I was just like, here you have like the talent company being like, this is an essential, crucial role to like what, having streamers and like YouTubers or whatever succeed. And then all the while I, internally at 100T, I'm like being told like, no, you're wrong. Don't do like, that. don't do this. Like yeah. stay in your lane. Like don't rock the boat. And it just goes back to like, I'm glad I trusted myself because like who knows what would have happened if I'd like yeah. let people discourage Wait, me. Wait, that's so cool. Yeah. What did that, it was, feel that was like a very like watershed moment for me. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that, that's probably actually I can like directly trace like back to that day where I was like, oh, I need to stop fucking listening to like people telling me when I'm wrong that or that I'm wrong when I know that I'm not, you know? Yeah. That's not to say like I know I'm I always know better. But like there are certain scenarios where like I do for sure, like I'm confident in like what I'm doing is the right thing in the long run, you know, bigger picture. So I just need to trust myself. And I've gotten better at that. What, um, was there ever an instance where you didn't listen to yourself? Like where maybe an authority or somebody was like, hey, don't do that. And you were kind of like, okay, fine, I won't. Even though you knew, you know, maybe do the opposite of where you're, of yeah, what you've been pointing out. I think, I, I wouldn't say there was ever like, uh, I never let anything like that happen on such a big scale that it caused like damage that I still look back on and be like, full of regret but definitely there were like lots of little examples of that mm -hmm. like like this wasn't just like a one or two one off or like two time thing where they were like hey don't why is the talent going or yeah why is the talent texting you directly or going to you directly like don't do that like for every like 10 times that i would be like i'm gonna do it anyway there was like two or three times where i was like okay you're right i'll pass it off to the right people and then like be like upset that i did that yeah. and i was like this is dumb and then the talent would come to me and be like what Who's this person you're putting me in contact with? Yeah. I don't I don't want to talk to them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you were you conscious when that happened? Like, did you learn from those experiences necessarily? And do you feel like that like built up kind of your confidence? Of yeah, like, I think okay, it like reinforced. Should... Yeah, it reinforced that I was like, see, like they're weirded out by this like different process. We could just and like the end result's the same. So why does it matter? It's like, yeah. Kind of goes back to like the production thing too. It's like the end result's the same. Like, why does it matter? Like, yeah. I guess I'm always looking at like that. It's like if the end result is the same, like how you get there isn't as important. Um and if there's like an easier, more effective way of getting there, then we should just do that. Yeah. Um that's always kind of like my approach. And so yeah, and then so like kind of backing up a bit. So so Ray um who worked 100 or yeah was signed 100 thieves and still is and co-owns it she like comes to like at this point so gabe gabe is actually like a very instrumental like person in like my career and like i put so much or i, I give him so much credit for basically like helping me get to where i am yeah. right now um and i feel so like lucky to like it's just like a random encounter right Isn't i like so walk funny? into like a land center and the guy who's working there becomes like one of my best friends i still live with him and like has like given me so many opportunities like he like there's been a lot of opportunities that have come away from different uh, angles and different pl places and people but like there were like a few core ones that he like teed me up for and I like you know rose to it and have just like played out to have such insane ripple effects throughout my entire life so one of them was actually the Ray thing so Gabe you know him right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he's like very personable like very Great. sweet like friendly yeah. guy um, not shy at all, like very like, and also very capable too, I think. And so he's, he's like an actually very capable production person. He's a fucking creative genius. And so, um, he was like head at the helm of all the content things at hundred thieves at the time. So he was always like on set directing stuff and doing stuff. So he had built a relationship with Ray because Ray was involved in a lot of those things. And so he, she knew who Ray was, or she knew who Gabe was and she knew how capable he was. So one day 
Ray gets approached with this opportunity to be in a music video for mm-hmm. Corpse Husband and Machine Gun Kelly. They have a song, um, but Corpse Husband doesn't show his face. So Corpse was like, oh, let's just have like Valky Ray play me in the music video, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like super tight turnaround, like two day notice. Um, but she now had to like go be on set in like some random warehouse with Machine Gun Kelly and like shoot a video. And she was like, I want to make like content out of this. Makes and sense. so she was like, who yeah. do I know at 100 Thieves that I can like pick out to do this? So she was like, Gabe, can you vlog this for me? And which is super cool. And then I, and then Gabe comes to me and he's all like telling me about the situation. He's like, uh, do you want to come? Like, he's always thinking about me, which is really sweet. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, do you want to come and like just drive us? Like he's like, I, cause I need to be vlogging. So we need somebody to drive us. And I was just like, and I was like, yeah. And then in my head, I was like, I'll uh, I'll just pick up a camera and I'll like say like, we can take pictures too. That way, like, it seems like I'm being a little more helpful than just like an I want Uber to driver, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'll, I'll like, I'll take photos and like, um, this at this point, like Ray and I like, it's funny if you look at, if you look at the vlog that came out from that shoot, which the vlog did super well and it was very amazing. And um, if you look at the vlog, there's one part at the very beginning of the vlog where she's like introducing the two guys that are with her, which are me and Gabe. Uh-huh. And when she says my name, she like kind of like slurs through it a bit because you can tell like <laughs> she's not entirely sure how to say my name. And, I, and so she's like, this is Mauricio. <laughs> like, or something yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's really funny. And I'm like, because like, again, at this point, I'm like pretty shy. So I never like have been asserting myself as like, hey, I'm Mauricio. Nice to meet you. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to watch it. It's yeah. so funny. And so, so like we go there and at this point, like, I don't know like what I'm doing with a camera. Like, I don't know how to use a camera. You just have I, this I, camera. I, I just have it's this so camera. funny. And so, okay. and then I'm on, it's like a very like sink or swim moment for me. Like Gabe's shooting like vlog footage. I'm like, she wants pictures, right? Like it's cool. It's cool to have like BTS shots and stuff. And like she's in this, like we like go, we drive around, we like grab some props and stuff. And then we get on set and then like Machine Gun Kelly walks in. He's like the super intimidating presence and stuff. And it's like a really skeleton crew. There's like him and two shooters. We like do this like six hour music video shoot with like six people in the room. It's like very like scrappy and like he's coming up with the concepts like on on the fly like on set like on set oh, that's crazy. yeah and um and and i'm just like snapping away pictures i'm just like snapping so many pictures. I'm like one of these has to be good like one of these has to be good um and then what happens is like so the shoot goes great it was a lot of fun really intense lots of adrenaline um and then the video is going to come out in like a few days mm-hmm. so ray hits me up and she's all like can i get those pictures you know and i was like yes and then so I, <laughs> of course, of course. And then so I like spend like the next, well, prior to like going to that shoot, there was like a, so Gabe told me, he's like, yo, you want to do this? I was like, yes, the shoot's in like a day or two. Leading up to that, I'm like Googling like, what is ISO? Like how does, ca- how do cam- <laughs> how does the camera how work? Do the cameras yeah. work? Um, and I remember I went out, I was out like drinking or something, not like, like I was just like at a party or something because it, sure. like, it was on a weekend. I remember I was very nervous leading up to this day. I was very like shy and insecure. I remember I was pretty hungover. We were going to go pick Ray up at like 1 or 2 p.m. I'm in bed at like noon. Oh still. my God, you went Ga- hungover? Ga- Gabe walks into my room. He's like, hey, like, you know, I'm going to head out soon. Do you still want to come? And I was like, so much of me wanted to be like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. Like, I'm scared that like, yeah. like I'm going to like, it's, I'm going to be like weird or awkward. And like, I you don't feel like, 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 like I'm not confident. Over, like, I don't know how to like use a camera. Like, yeah. this is gonna be like, she's going to be like, why is this guy doing here? Like, 
And then I was like so close to bailing. And yeah, then like, I would I, want to bail too. Yeah. And then I, I didn't. And that like is the, like that started like everything. And now yeah. here we are like three years later and I'm like working with Ray full time. Um, and so anyway, she's like, can I get the pictures? And then so I was like, yes. And so like I taught myself how to edit photos within like a 24 hour period. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And again, I'm just like, these suck. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, and so I sent her the photos. And then after the fact, one of the pictures that I took actually ended up being merch on one of her merch drops. Yeah. There you go. And I was like, that's crazy because I don't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> but like, and I wear that shirt all the time because I fucking yeah. love it. Because it's like, I'm like so proud of it. I'm like, this, I took this, this picture. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but so all this is to say like, so she would be posting these pictures on like Instagram. And like, uh, like two weeks later, we had, she had another music video shoot. She's like, oh, I'm going to do a, one with Bella Porch now. Uh, same team, you know? And so Gabe and I kind of became like her team. Uh, and I was only doing photos back then. So that's why I started as like her photographer. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, and she was like posting these pictures that I was taking like on Instagram to like promote the things or just like as cool shots on her Insta. And these were, these pictures were getting like hundreds of thousands. A couple of them had like a million likes. And in the comments, you'd have like people that like, or I'd have people like DM me like in the requests because she'd always tag me. She's always mm -hmm. been really good about that. Um, and all right, in the comments, you'd have these people that are like clearly like career photographers being like, these are sick shots. These are awesome. And in my head, I'm just like, they don't know I've like tricked all of them. Like these are like, I, they don't know I'm a fraud. So yeah, like, even but you though, weren't a fraud, I, I guess I could see why you would say that. Cause yeah. I would say the exact same thing about myself, <laughs> yeah. but like clearly I think that's what's so interesting is clearly you felt like one but you weren't yeah it's like all those things like contextually are like a great recipe for imposter syndrome yeah because in my head i'm like ray's like this like millionaire rich like influencer streamer like at this point she's like having her insane blow up right so i'm like she can just throw money in any direction and get like this insane photographer to follow her around and here's this like idiot with like it's just like uh i think i know what i'm doing yeah um and so all that is just like a great recipe for imposter syndrome. I'm just like, eh. but the more and more that I did it, the more I was like, okay, like if I apply myself. So a lot of like my journey, like uh, after 100 Thieves and like, or just during 100 Thieves, even like early on when I was like PAing and learning new stuff. Um, and then starting with Ray, a lot of my journey has always just kind of been like me retroactively trying to prove to myself that like I do like deserve to be here by like yeah. just like putting in the work you know like obviously anybody there's any number of people that are just as capable or whatever but it's like i'm not squandering that opportunity by like not taking it seriously or not you know trying um and so and then over time so what happened was like um gabe had all these responsibilities at 100 thieves he was still like helm of the entire content team so he can't just like you know take a day off and go help ray like all willy-nilly he's not as nimble right he has way more responsibilities and so eventually what happened was like Ray kind of like, like it just became me and Ray mm -hmm. like because Gabe became too busy. And so I didn't really know how to shoot video either. So I like taught myself how to shoot video. And so now I'm like vlogging and doing photos for Ray. Um, and I forgot what shoot it was. Actually, there was one shoot where but, but all the time I, Gabe was always like the connective tissue and like the social kind of like lubricant uh, yeah. between all of us. And so like I remember there was one time where Gabe wasn't gonna be able to make it. And I was like so nervous I was yeah i like, don't oh, know like it's just me and ray and like ray's great but like i'm like she's gonna think i'm like weird <laughs> yeah and so but you know just exposure therapy and over time like we got closer and like worked more and more together and 
like she would just kind of like eventually before it was always like a group chat between like me, Ray and Gabe. And then she would just kind of start like hitting me up personally because she knew like Gabe would probably be too busy. She'd be like, hey, can you help with this? Can you help with that? Uh, it kind of helped build my confidence too. And like, uh, it's fun. And like a lot of what she was ta um, tapping into me to help with was like stream setup stuff, mm -hmm. which is like, oh, finally something I like actually know how to do. Yeah. You're <laughs> so, like, okay, I can thrive yeah, in this I can environment. Thrive. So I was like, but I kind of became like her Swiss army knife. I just like anything she needed like even like when we were on set sometimes like she had an assistant but sometimes her assistant couldn't make it like because her assistant also works for otv so she'd be kind of like stretched thin so a lot of times like i'd like slip into the pa role like on set with her so i'd like pa for right here and there or like do photos and videos yeah. like tech setup i think i think my whole approach was like i want to make ray think that she can like count on me for any situation i'll at least try my best to solve it or get somebody to help solve it yeah um and I think she's really, I mean, I've been very like vocal about that. Like, I'm like, you can like count on me. Like I got you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like to her credit, I feel like I hit the lottery too when it comes to like the people that I work for, like with Ray and like with Hassan, because they are just like so opposite of like what people think when you think like this huge celebrity like figure that, you know, is probably very like self-absorbed or whatever. Like she is like the nicest person yeah. and like like I said like always really good about like tagging me I've never like asked her to like tag me and shit she'll always like make sure she'll always build me up there are a lot of like streamers and like celebrities and whatever who I feel like are apprehensive to the idea of kind of putting somebody that's not in the spotlight kind of just giving them any credit I maybe it's from like an insecurity thing where they're just yeah, worried it's that, an like, odd thing but it yeah, definitely is yeah and so and she's never been that way where she's always been like she's always had me on her streams, always like tried to build me up, always like she like tweeted me out and tagged me, like stuff like that. And I'm just like, you don't need to be doing this. It's awesome that you are doing this and I really appreciate it. But it just, it made me feel like, okay, I'm working for somebody that, you know, I, like I fuck with them. Like they're, they're yeah. a good person. Um, that's rare to find. Yeah. Both. That's really good. And then it happened again with Will and Hassan who like, I, I like, there's no one, there's really no one that you can kind of like work for that's better than working for Hassan because he's like, so like, I don't want to be a boss. I don't want employees. I want you to like be your own boss. And like, I don't give a shit about the money. Like take your equal cut. And it's like, I mean, just candidly, I'm making way more money than a fucking podcast producer typically makes just because sure. like, typically podcast producers are just like one cog in like the entire operation. And for me, I'm like a co-owner too. And like it was, it's by design, you know? So it's like, I, I lucked out with like two creators that I kind of hitched myself to that like trust me a lot and they treat me very well and that's why I'm always like like when you ask like if I'm happy and stuff I'm like yeah I feel very lucky because like yeah. I always like I, I meet up with like other producers and stuff either of podcasts or like cameramen of like streamers or whatever and there's always like this kind of like trauma dumping that takes place because it's yeah. such a, like a crazy job especially like especially when it comes to like influencers and streamers like their lives are so hectic mm -hmm. and trying to kind of keep up with that is very hectic. And there's like a lot of like trauma dumping and like relating that happens among production people. And a lot of times I always tell them like my workload and what I'm doing. And they're always like, what the fuck? But then I also like <laughs> tell them like who I'm working for and like what the dynamic I have with the people I work for is with. And they're like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, you're like, that's crazy. So I feel very lucky. Um, stuff at hundred these wasn't really working out. And um, cause we were just like kind of butting heads and not seeing eye to eye with like the, and I'd, I'd been at 100 Thieves for like three years at this point. So I was kind of like looking for something else. On, yeah. And I think, and I was just enjoying, I was finding my time working directly with the creators much more fulfilling than my time working at 100 Thieves because I, like at 100 Thieves, 
I, I love, I reflect on my time there very positively and it's like a huge stepping stone in my career and helped me a lot. But ultimately, like, I wasn't really invested in the content we were making because sure. yeah. I just, it wasn't for me. And so when I, it's just hard. And so it was just like, it felt more like a job. I was just like showing up when they told me to. And it was just not really. Also coming from a background in streaming where I was my own boss and did whatever, going into like the more structured office format was like, a little soul crushing for me, even though if it was like for a dope job or a dope company. Um, <clears throat> so I was like ready to like get out. Yeah. And then like immediately after exiting, Ray like came and was like, just work for me full time. Put you on retainer. Just like souped right in. She's like, I need more help. Uh, and, and oh, so the other thing that I do for her that I guess I didn't mention is like my main job is I'm her YouTube channel manager. So mm -hmm. like I just I run like her team of editors and like her YouTube channels. And I kind of just like tell them like so what you're doing like the titling and that kind of and like so for the bigger youtube videos i'll like do the titling and like publishing um and then but it's also just like more project management in the sense where like i'll uh i'll like go with her and like shoot something and then i'll like hand it off to an editor be like this is what we expect this is what we need like like do know. like the edit notes sort yeah of thing. stuff like that mm -hmm. um and so i like manage basically youtube manager but cool. then i also still like do all the other like you know hands-on yeah. stuff like photo video tech Marsh, that is so cool. I feel like you've created such like a unique career for yourself. <laughs> and I know you said like there is, I think as with everything, including my own career, like there is like a aspect of right place, right time. Right. Yeah. But then I like what you said about you also like made the most of those opportunities though. And like you rose to the occasion. And I hope that like, I guess you give yourself that credit <laughs> because like, that's like a sick fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it is a, yeah, it is a six fucking job. I don't know if I really, I'm trying to give myself the credit. Yeah, it's it's totally hard to. Yeah. It's much easier as like me who's not you to tell you that. For sure. Because I like, I'm like the president and fan of the fan club for like imposter syndrome. Yeah. So president and CEO. Um, I'm, a, I'm a member. I'm a longtime <laughs> member. <laughs> yeah, your membership card's in the mail. Um, <laughs> but I like hate to say this. We're like out of time. Oh, shit. Okay, my bad. So I feel like I rambled no, too don't long. Say, no, oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, I feel bad being like, you should come back. But like, oh yeah, because like, I don't want to take your weekends up. But like, you should come back no, because come we have a lot anytime. more to talk about. Yeah, super um, down. And it was like super sick. Dude, to, thank you for having me. Yeah. This was awesome. Good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I was kind of a little nervous coming into it. I was like, I'd never done a podcast before. I was like, well, I just kind of like freeze up on camera. No. But I just talked through a bunch of trauma too, honestly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just having free therapy today. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, Mar this is also, I think, extra fun because like we've known each other for a while yeah. and like we're like friends and whatever but you don't really sit with your friends and like go, actually just hey yeah. break down your career with me yeah that's like a weird thing to do yeah um so it was like cool to get to know you like that side of you more for sure yeah. thank you yeah where can people either find you and find like the stuff you work on so on social on twitter i'm just at march uh on instagram i'm at actually march but the projects that I'm involved with the most, like I'm, like I said, like all production for Valkyrie. So anything that she produces content wise, I typically have a role in. And then I also produce a podcast called Fear And on YouTube. It's like fear ampersand sign. Mm -hmm. And I uh, do that with Hassan and Will Neff, Cutie Cinderella Austin show. So Sick. Check it out. Thanks, Marsh. We'll yeah. have you back again. For sure. Cool.